Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Friday, October 28th, 2022. I'm your host, George Kurth. Cody Roadcap and Tyler Snyder cannot be with us. Cody is, of course, partying it up in some island in the Pacific. And Tyler is in the library studying to find fantasy points. I don't really think it's going to work, but all the power to him. But we do have a special guest with us today. I know it's somebody that you may not know, but we've mentioned on the show multiple times. He is a member of our League of Record, and he is somebody who we've called the local betting expert. That is Tyler Kemp, more affectionately known as Kempy. Kempy, welcome in. Say hi to the fans. What's going on, guys? George, thank you so much for having me. Cody, congratulations on your marriage. Snyder, I hope you find those points in the library. Um, <laughs> I'm super excited to be on here today. Looking forward to a full slate uh, of football games this week, and I'm looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, so as, as we normally say, Kempy and I are going to hit some news and notes and talk week eight preview, but you are the betting guy here. So we are going to maybe talk a little bit of uh, some betting lines you think are good. What, what are you thinking here going through this episode? Or give us a couple of tips here before we start. So right now, I'm looking at the lines this week. And honestly, there are a lot of close matchups. And pretty much, like there's pretty many uh, lines out there right now that kind of make me scratch my head a little bit. And while we kind of go through some of the games, I might throw some lines out. And also some surprises that maybe I'm betting, maybe I'm not, or maybe I really want to stay away from. But the biggest thing I wanted to mention first is that Vegas lines are not projections. It took me a long time as a person that came up playing fantasy baseball, betting on baseball, to betting on college football and NFL. Vegas lines, they're going to throw a line at you to try and entice you to bet on that. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's the favorite or that's a lock. Um, I I know I mentioned a few times uh, where Vegas would bet on a coin flip if they could. 50-50 line. If they gave you plus odds on heads, would you take it? They're just trying to get you into those games, and that's what they do with NFL picks as well. So we'll go through some lines here that might look like traps. Maybe we'll take them. Maybe we won't. Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to hear some of the things you have to say and maybe even teach me a couple things about sports betting, even though you've already been talking to me about it for years at this point. Um <laughs> But we'll talk about those things when we get into our every game breakdown. Uh, make sure you find us on thecouchgms.com and our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at thecouchgms. Join our Discord chat. The link is in the description of the video or podcast you are listening to. All right. I feel like that intro is getting smoother and smoother every single time. But, Kempi, it's time to jump into some NFL news. Let's do it. Big things on NFL news here is we have to talk about some trade news. I will mention first off, the NFL trade deadline is on November 1st. That would be next Tuesday. So we will have one more show here between now and the trade deadline. A couple of trades did hit on Thursday, though. First off, in the big one, the New York Giants traded wide receiver Kadarius Toney to the Kansas City Chiefs. In return, they got a 2023 third-round pick and a sixth-round pick. And I think the other interesting thing is they actually reworked Tony's contract, which as a second year player was intriguing to me, but I think he still has the ability to have a fifth year option on his contract. He just got a salary adjustment, Um, but the Giants get that money completely off the book, get some draft picks and the Chiefs obviously getting some weapons for Patrick Mahomes. What are your thoughts here? You know, it, it kind of throws me off the fact that, you know, Tony was being drafted in a lot of leagues this year as a late round flyer. As that second-year uh, wide receiver that could be coming up could be huge um, this coming year. And he, he just didn't perform. And for the lack of weapons that the Giants have offensively, 
it, it throws me off how they're not able to utilize him. I don't know if it's clubhouse thing, um, but once again, good for the Chiefs, just filling in another wide receiver that could easily turn into a star um, with the enemy and uh, Andy Reid's offense. Definitely. I Obviously, the Chiefs are on bye this week. We'll mention that's them and the Chargers. I'll just throw that out there early. I normally say it before our preview. Um, so they actually have a week and a half to get him working into that system. I was kind of hoping it would be like they play this week. It'd be one last week. You could definitely throw out Juju, and then you're like, eh, I don't know. Now, we'll talk about it next week, but that wide receiver room is up in the air. And if Kadarius Tony is healthy, too. Like, honestly, he has not played a ton this year so far because he's had injury issues as same as last year, but Kadarius Tony does move on to the Kansas city chiefs. And we'll talk more about that next week. One other trade Philadelphia Eagles traded a fourth round pick for defensive end, Robert Quinn, an older defensive lineman who maybe is not performing in the Bears system this year, but is coming off of an 18 sack season last year. Maybe not a lot of fantasy relevance, but the Eagles defense has got to get a boost from this one. I know I have another Eagles fan here on the call with me this time. Normally I'm sitting next to a Titans fan and a Packers fan. So it was a nice time to talk about this, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. It's a great, great time to be an Eagles fan. Great time to be a Philadelphia sports fan in general. We have the World Series coming on later tonight um, against the Astros. I'm super excited. And we're also, as an Eagles fan and uh, Eagles community, George, we're excited to have you on this week because I know the Chargers are on by. So it's really exciting to have you um, join us with the Eagles again. I I was not expecting that. Props, props <laughs> to you. Uh, I, I do not miss Cody. Um, I'll also throw the joke out there that my name on our uh, actual recording call says Cody Roadcap because he's normally the one that starts it. So I do not get to forget Cody and the fact that he calls me a Chargers fan every single week. But yes, I mean, I think it's just time. Let's just jump into our week eight preview. All right, let's do a little week eight preview. As we mentioned, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers are on by this week. So we have one extra game and it's being played across the pond in London. So Broncos country, let's fly. I think maybe um, Denver Broncos playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Jaguars typical home game over in London. And Russell Wilson is definitely the topic of discussion. He spent his eight hour flight across the pond with two of it watching film, four hours literally doing leg workouts and stretches on the plane while his teammates slept. And then he fell asleep for an hour and he watched more film afterwards. Like, he is, I will give it to him actually, the dedication to come back from this injury and hopefully try to get the Broncos offense right is is amazing to me, honestly. Honestly, think about the Mr. Unlimited or whatever he calls himself now going on the plane, an eight hour flight to London, and he is stretching. He's doing leg workouts for four of them, just doing lunges in the aisle. I, I don't know how I would feel as his teammate though, if I'm trying to sleep for those eight hours and you just have Russell Wilson going back and forth doing leg workouts. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's respect that he's trying to come back from the injury. I've honestly heard some hit or miss things about Russell Wilson lately. If you're looking at his persona, um, is, is he being selfish? Is he being egotistical with this contract coming in? Um, I know uh, NFL Network's morning show, is it Kyle Brandt, mm -hmm. went on a huge rant about Russell Wilson. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, check it out. Because this uh, him bragging about his leg workouts and exercising on the plane, it, it's nice to hear it. It's, it's funny at the time. But is this him like trying to brag about how much he's working? 
it's just a different viewpoint on on what what is Russell Wilson trying to prove out of this saying he was working out for four hours on the airplane it's true like I think a lot of it is probably him trying to build the cred of like I'm trying to work to make this thing right I'm trying to work to be in the game but it can definitely be spun to a much different uh you know output when you look at the fact that they're in a gauntlet of a division and they're now last in the division because the Raiders are two and four compared to their two and five they've obviously already had their bye but it's it's a little bit of a of shaky ground there in Denver um, but we have to talk a little bit of fantasy here so Russell Wilson I think is out of my lineups if I can help it regardless of his status and I think the only person in the wide receiver room that I'm still willing to play even cautiously is got to be Cortland Sutton um, Jerry Judy's had his hits and misses, um, but that offense is not consistent enough to really even think that two wide receivers are going to be held up every single week. So we're just still down to Cortland Sutton. Um, and then there's the running backs to look at where mm-hmm. they, we really were hoping that Melvin Gordon was going to be the guy. And it has not been the case because of his fumbling issues. He's doing a lot of splitting with Latavius Murray. Mike Boone is out of this game. I think it's good to mention. I did actually put that on our rundown. But the fact that Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon are splitting as much as they are, it's concerning to try to play either of them. Yeah, once uh, Javante went down with that injury, I honestly thought this was Melvin Gordon's job. Mm-hmm. Despite the fumbles, despite the early season struggles, this was his job and he was going to run away with it. And now we're seeing Latavius Murray sneak into play and is actually a debatable fantasy starting running back if you really need to with buys coming up. I, I don't know. I thought this this was a clear role for Gordon, and it, it, it's not, which it, it seems to be like the entire Broncos season at this point. It, you thought you had a good idea what was happening, and here we are with a lot of question marks. And I will say, like, a lot of people were leaning on Clyde towards Laird to start the year. That's another situation we'll talk about next week with him and Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, we're missing fantasy RB1 Austin Eckler this week. Like, there's a couple of leagues where I'm sitting there, I have to play Melvin Gordon, or I'm out there trying to scrape the waiver wire, and I might be forced to play Latavius Murray. You can do worse, because they are still putting up some points, and you just got to hope that they happen to push in that touchdown. Uh, but it's it, definitely trying to find other options there. Uh, moving on to the Jaguar side, because Mr. Boost of the Week, Travis Etienne now has a backfield to himself. And I personally think he can push RB1 territory now with how he's starting to really roll it together. What are your thoughts? He, he's the guy. This is his offense, and this is his time to shine. Obviously, um, with Robinson starting there uh, before ETN even got drafted, and now ETN's coming into play and pretty much took the job by himself, it, it's his time to shine. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, he's definitely someone that's going to be in your lineups every single week now, despite the hard matchup against the Broncos. But that hard matchup against the Broncos is what makes me concerned about not only Trevor Lawrence, who I had as a sit on our article on thecouchgms.com. So make sure you go check out our start sit to get a leave even more of some, things, of some things that I might miss. Still can't talk. Doesn't matter who's on the show with me. I just can't talk. Um, and then Christian Kirk is the other one that I'm concerned about. So... I'll say I'm very concerned about playing him, but you're in a situation where most likely you're going to have to. He is currently wide receiver 10 on the season. Um, But are you concerned at all, or is that just me seeing that matchup against the Broncos? It's tough to say right now. Honestly, the Jags coming in right now are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I know they consider that London game their home game advantage, but I would almost just – I do like them. I'm not going to lie to you. I think the Broncos are just in, in question mark right now. Um, 
And I think the Jags with Doug Peterson, now that they have a head, they have a young quarterback, a head coach that can actually drive the team. I think they're playing for each other at this point, and they're going to find ways to win ball games coming down the stretch. I yeah, I think that there's no really any reason to like completely say I'm going to straight bench Christian Kirk unless you just don't like if you have better options, definitely just go out there and do that. But um, it it the Broncos just concern me because even though they are a mess and we view them as a mess, it's literally just the offense. They actually are giving up. I I forget if the stat was exactly last or second to least least or second to least points per game allowed as a defense. So they're holding teams down. With that being said, one more person I want to talk about before we move on, Evan Ingram is actually one of my sleeper starts of the week, which kind of feels like, oh, so why are you benching Kirk but starting Ingram? But the tight end position is bad. We have two top 10 tight ends on bye this week. Evan Ingram has a top 10 finish in two of his last three weeks, and he's had six or more targets in each of those games. So if you're looking for a touchdown dependent option, I think those stats point towards he's one of your guys that has the best chance to get one. Absolutely. All Absolutely. Right. I, I do love, I love uh, Ingram. I had him on my team last week in our league of record. I started him when Hawkinson was on by and it was a solid play. I mean, you could argue that he could continue to be uh, played on a week to week basis. At least as a dartboard option, but that mm-hmm. moves us out of London. When we come back across the pond for our Sunday, one o'clock window, starting off in a divisional matchup between the now surging Carolina Panthers and the tied for division lead Atlanta Falcons. We don't know if the Falcons are actually still tied for the division lead, actually, because the Bucks are playing on Thursday as we record this. But um, it that division has been an absolute mess. And then it's interesting how when the Panthers decide to trade players and then play their third string quarterback, they decide to win a game. But uh, I, we're going to ignore that fact, I guess. Um, we can talk fantasy value here. Um, actually, I'm very interested to ask you a question here. I know you're in a two quarterback league. And you've been struggling at the quarterback position because of all the injuries and everything that's happened. Are you forced to play PJ Walker? Uh, not confidently. If you really need to in a two quarterback league where there's a lot a few quarterbacks on by, obviously we only have two teams this week, but if you really need to, you can, I don't love it. You can, um, but I'm staying away from everything Carolina Panthers at this point. Um, we'll see who else they trade away in this process. Um, other kind of rebuilding or just destroying everything at the moment. Um, this is a matchup I, I'm not in love with fantasy wise. I'm sure it'll be kind of spread equally. Um, we'll see whenever Kyle Pitts actually wants to wake up. Um, that would be huge. Uh, but you said Kyle Pitts and actually perform something that's a good joke um, yeah no i'm a little bit actually in the opposite end on the panther side here um because not only is the falcons defense pretty bad um i'm forced to play pj walker in two dynasty leagues where i had baker mayfield as my backup quarterback and i'm stuck with a backup quarterback due to either an injury or a bye week so that's that's a bit of a problem but i'm just gonna hope on that one that's not something i really necessarily recommend unless you're desperate in a dynasty or a two quarterback league but um, no, uh, I'm kind of all in on every other Panther, um, especially with Chuba Hubbard being injured. He did not practice on Thursday. If he doesn't go, Dante Foreman is an auto start in my lineups. Um, DJ Moore finally had his best game of the season, and it's not like a lot of things change. Like he still got the same target share he's gotten every other week, but he actually got catches on those targets, which tells me him and PJ Walker, who have been together on the same team for I think this is their third season 
could have a bit of a connection. That's going to be a good thing for DJ Moore if that can continue. And in a good matchup, he's in my lineups. Um, I shouldn't say all in. Like, I'm not in on people like Tommy Tremble or anything like that. But those two, I'm in on. Yeah, DJ Moore, Dante Foreman, I can see them definitely starting every week. I'm looking at last week's numbers right here with 118 yards for Dante Foreman. I didn't realize he had that great of a game, mm-hmm. especially against the Bucks defense that we held so high going into this season. The fact that the Panthers and P.J. Walker ran over them, I do respect Dante Foreman and D.J. Moore with a nice 69 yards. So he had a solid game. Tyler would be mad at me if I also didn't mention that Dante Foreman was a very solid fantasy candidate last year when Derrick Henry was out for the Titans. So it's not like he hasn't done it before, uh, but he's not exactly the sexy name you like having in your lineups. But for now, we're going to roll with Dante Foreman if he's going to give us a good matchup. Moving to the Falcons side, you already mentioned Kyle Pitts. And uh, I'm avoiding Kyle Pitts if I can help it. And the other two guys aren't going to be here to be like, but what are your other options to make you really think that you can play someone instead of Pitts? I'm at the point where I don't really care. (laughs) Um, Even Mm -hmm. when he is producing, he's only really scoring you 10. I can probably go out there on the waiver wire and find you some guy on a good matchup that's going to score consistently more than Pitts. And that's very sad to say from somebody we took so high in the draft. Yeah, it's brutal to see these numbers that he's throwing up. I mean, nine yards last week in that offense with not a lot of sexy names in it. Nine yards. And I know Marcus Mar- Mariota's the quarterback. I, I'm i sorry, Snyder, if you're still in love with him from Tennessee, but <laughs> just nine yards to a tight end that we drafted at t- possibly tight end three just blows my mind. Um, It's tough to see. It really is. And even when he's leading the team in targets, he's really gathering nine yards. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's uh, they're throwing like 13 to 15 passes a game also. So like that also takes out Drake London, who is somebody that I was really in love with like weeks two and three when he was really coming out on fire. And then the Falcons are like, just kidding, run every single play. Uh, and with that being said, too, like we were worried about Tyler Algier um, because he was really in a 50-50 split with Caleb Huntley. And all of a sudden last week he pulls out 16 carries compared to Caleb Huntley's six. Now going into a good matchup, this is the week you were waiting for with Tyler Algier when you picked him up when Cordero Patterson went down. This is the game he should break out. I'm not going to say he's going to because that's exactly when I'm going to get a bit in the butt and it's going to be like, yep, he had a bad week. But he should break out and he's in my lineups. Way to, way to set yourself up there. I like that. <laughs> I like that. He should. He should. We're not guaranteeing anything, but um, it's, this is what you drafted him for or picked him up after Cordero went down. So. We'll see how it rolls for him. Yes, sir. And I think that wraps up Falcons Panthers, unless you have something else to throw in there. So we can move on to the surprise team of the last two weeks with the Chicago Bears traveling to the Dallas Cowboys. And I'll start on the Cowboys side because I was very bullish on our start sit article on Tony Pollard. And that was before I even knew that Zeke did not practice again Thursday and is now not expected to play. The Bears defense is not great against speed outside running backs. And Tony Pollard is exactly that kind of guy. And the Dallas Cowboys, even with Dak, want to run the ball. So huge week could be coming here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I think a huge week is coming for them in general. And I'm just looking at the Bears. And I got to credit to the Bears at first. Monday Night Football, eight and a half point dogs in New England. And they came out on top. And not just a sneak by win. They didn't just cover. They blew Bellet. Belichick out of the water there at that point. So um, I think the Bears can surprise some people. If Justin Fields can perform in that offense, the whole entire team and 
fantasy options will perform well. So uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping they can beat the Cowboys, but we'll see how it goes. And I think on the other, I just have to wrap up Cowboys really quick. Dak Prescott can be in your lineups this week, and CD Lamb, I guess, can be kind of a throw it out there wide receiver. But I'm I'm still personally someone who's not totally sold on CD Lamb. You just dropped him at the spot where like you're probably gonna have to play him. Um, so we're gonna hope that the Dallas Cowboys offense keeps turning around. But on the Bears side, Justin Fields is somebody who I think people are starting to pick up off the waiver wire. Are you confident enough to go out there and start Justin Fields in what is a negative matchup against the Cowboys defense? I don't think so. I think the only reason we saw Justin Fields have success last last week is because they scored early and they could start to run the ball. It opens up their playbook a lot more. Um, week six, the Bears. Who did they play again? Um, it, it was one of those matchups where I was watching Justin Fields perform and he could not throw to save his life. I, I, I forget. It's right on the goal line was the end of the game. It was a close matchup. I was against the commanders. It was yes, um, it. Washington versus Chicago. And when he had to throw the ball, you, you couldn't look forward. Like you couldn't watch the TV. Some of the spirals coming out of his hand. Um, it was just ugly. So with the place calls being able to run the ball and mix it up a little bit, I think you're going to see a more positive Justin Fields and a more positive Bears team. But if the Cowboys get ahead early and he has to throw, not confident at all. Excuse me. Oh, with that, I would really say that uh, I'm not only not starting Fields, but I'm not starting Darnell Mooney for sure. A lot of people are starting to get back on that bandwagon. As much as I want him to succeed, not touching my lineups, I just don't believe that they're going to be able to stay in this game. And then it comes to the running backs who are going to be very crucial in trying to keep them in the game early. And I just feel like the split is becoming super unpredictable all of a sudden. Um, I mentioned it also on the Start Set article that David Montgomery only went down to seeing about 61, I believe it was, percent of the snaps last week. And he was almost in an exact 50-50 split in touches with Khalil Herbert. So that just means I'm starting neither. I've, if if they kept it with the David Montgomery getting 70% of the touches, I'd be in. But not if it's going to be like this. No, I completely agree with that. Completely agree. Um, and especially, it's, it's sad to see if you drafted David Montgomery early and somebody got a late flyer on Khalil Herbert if you didn't get that handcuff. And seeing them have those equal you know, snaps, that hurts a little bit. It definitely does. Um, and I think that's basically it. We can go with, uh, move on to our next game. And you mentioned the Patriots. So we have the New England Patriots up next against the New York Jets. <laughs> Quarterback carousel time. So they started Mac Jones on Monday. And then you saw Bailey Zappi come in and have two really good drives and then not look so great afterwards. Mac Jones is officially taking the first team reps at practice this week. It looks like he's fully back from the injury, and he is expected to start for the Patriots. I'm not even going to go out there and see they will start like all the media outlets are because it's Bill Belichick, and we know how Belichick works. Apparently even at the quarterback position. Who knew? Um, <laughs> so a matchup against the Jets, I, I still don't know if I'm confident enough to play any of those Patriots wide receivers. In this case, I mean, I think your top option would have to be, um, wow, now I'm even blanking. Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers, yes, that's it. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been somebody who's been pounding the table for Jacoby Myers, and he's been fairly consistent regardless of the quarterback, but I just don't like the inconsistencies going on in this offense, and I'd rather sit on my bench at least this week. Absolutely. It is scary right now seeing what's happening in New England. 
Um, I, it kind of gives me a little bit of vibes from what we saw just last year, two years ago, actually, with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. I know it's different level. This might be a homer talking about the Eagles, but seeing the psychological pain that going through that 2020 season where it's like Carson Wentz is awful, but we have Jalen Hurts. He could be good. He might be awful too. And it just, it hurts seeing, like if I was a Patriots fan, seeing that happen um, with not knowing who's going out there, who are we supporting, who should we be rooting for, who's going to actually play that snap or that drive. Um, I think it, it hurts watching that. And I'm getting a little PTSD from the 2020 days. It's also worth noting that Jacoby Myers had a post-game press conference where it seemed like he threw a little shade back at Belichick for the quarterback switch. So even the players don't like the inconsistency, which is kind of as expected, but not a good look for the Patriots offense. The only other thing I have to say is Ramondre Stevenson has kind of taken over that backfield at this point. Um, with that being said, it's also probably going to be the fact that Damian Harris comes in and gets 70% of the touches this week because Bellatrix. Uh, but for now, it's just Ramondre Stevenson in my lineups and Damian Harris. We're sitting here riding the bench and hoping he gets back to that 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. And then moving on to the Jets side of the ball here. Uh, one major injury, I guess, Corey Davis did not practice um, on Thursday. So that might open the ball up more a little bit for Garrett Wilson if they can actually decide to throw the ball with some efficiency. Um, Elijah Moore is practicing again, but obviously still not happy, and he is still looking for that trade. Um, I just want you to break down the running back room, though. So they trade for James Robinson earlier in the week. They obviously still have Michael Carter there, my boy Michael Carter. In a short week for James Robinson, what are you deciding to do in fantasy with the two running backs? I feel as if you can start Michael Carter pretty confidently this week. I'm I'm hoping you can. I just think coming off that short week after the trade, um, Robinson still has to learn the playbook. He's coming in fresh. I honestly could see their third string playing a little bit more than Robinson if they need to get Carter out of the game at some points. Um, if there's a week to play Michael Carter confidently, I think it is this week. You could, you could start him in the beginning of the year. Brees Hall started to come up, but um, I think Carter could be a solid play against the Patriots. I know the Patriots have a good run defense. It got a little exploited last week, though, with the Bears. So maybe we're seeing a turn uh, there, but I do like Carter this week. I'm with you. I think we're resetting the egg timer on Michael Carter. Like at the beginning of the year, if you heard me joke about like, oh yeah, week one, the, the timer to start Mike Carter's like it, Michael Carter is here, but it's starting to run out. Like we reset it now. We got maybe another week or two out of it. And then James Robinson, I think is going to be the guy in New York. Um, I noticed you have a little bit of an extra note on here about this game, maybe from a betting perspective. So what do you got? Mark? I do. So with everything we said about the New England Patriots and, you know, the quarterback carousel, the not really sure wide receiver wise. I mean, they have Hunter Henry as their solid option um, at tight end. But I, I looked at the sports book this week and I saw the Patriots were minus two and a half favorites at MetLife Stadium. So you're telling me after I think it was a 14 some point loss against the Chicago Bears at home, they immediately go to MetLife playing a very hot Jets team performing super well. And the Patriots are minus two and a half favorites. For me, that could, for some people, that could easily be a, oh, we have to bet the Jets. We're getting Jets plus points at home. That's ridiculous. But when I kind of take a look at this line, I do like New England. It's one of those things where I think Vegas knows something we don't. Whether they think that Michael Carter might not have a good game, or maybe we're not going to see James Robinson at all. We're going to see that third string who might not perform too hot. 
Um, there's something we don't know here. So that two and a half line intrigues me a little bit. It's almost like a challenge. I think uh, if, if you're Vegas, you're going to expect people to bet two and a half for the Jets. I'd rather take the two and a half for the Patriots just because I've learned to kind of bet the opposite when it comes to Vegas. Interesting. Um, so It's a typical, like, it's a line. It, it Sometimes it burns you a little bit, but it's one of those things where Vegas, once again, puts out a 50-50 coin flip. And they're going to try and say, okay, you can take this tail side at plus 110. You can take the Jets, plus the points. But meanwhile, we know that the opposite has a pretty good chance of winning. So they're expecting money to come on the Jets because they want that underdog money. They want the the plus money. Um, and I honestly think you're going to see the Patriots win this matchup just because, once again, Vegas lines aren't projections. They're just traps trying to get you in to make those bets. So um, it's not always. And I do really like that tip. But I will say the one line going back to last week that really intrigued me was the Giants were plus three and a half against the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. The five and now five and one Giants against the two and four Jaguars. And the Giants actually did win that game. So, I mean, it's, it's it could go either way. But I, I think I've seen a lot of other cases. I was actually going back to their hope to see if it would actually back up your case because I've seen it happen before. And you've told me about it and been like, hey, do this. And it's worked. Um, but it mm-hmm. can go either way. They have to kind of keep you on your toes, I guess. It's going to be a line that I watch uh, towards Sunday. I always look at how much money is going on to a particular side. Because if you think about if Vegas is getting 95% of bets on Jets plus two and a half, and they're not adjusting that line, because um, if the more money you're getting, obviously you want to give the Jets less of that lead. Maybe they start to become one and a half. Maybe they start to become favorites at some point. But if they're not adjusting that line, there's something wrong there that makes me think that they feel as if the uh, New England Patriots are going to win this game outright and maybe even cover. So last week, that that Giants game intrigued me as well. Um, I did bet on that. It didn't turn out in my favor, but I think this week Vegas is going to correct itself. They're going to get their money back. Interesting. I like it. And that's a good little tip there to throw out there as we move off of the Patriots-Jets game. We can move on to another team in that division with the Miami Dolphins traveling to the Detroit offenses. I mean, Lions, because they don't have a defense. Um, So in this game, we'll start off on the Lions side because there's a lot of injury news. TJ Hawkinson, Josh Reynolds, and Amra St. Brown were all limited participants in practice. And DeAndre Swift was a full participant all on Thursday. So that means Swift should be back finally this week, which is thank you, finally. I've been waiting for him for so long in our one keeper league that Kempi is also in with me, and it's been eating me apart inside just watching him sit on my bench while I'm starting like this no-name guy off the waiver wire. Um, And then St. Brown is in concussion protocol. The limited participant means he's near the end of the protocol, and they said he never had concussion symptoms. So he was the victim of the new concussion protocol post-TUA where it's if he shows any kind of stumbling, he's going to be taken out, but not necessarily have one. So I think he's going to be good to go. TJ Hawkinson, I'm also confident, is going to be good to go now that I've seen him log a limited participation on Thursday. But he is a little banged up, so maybe a little limited. Um, And I think all of that makes Josh Reynolds kind of irrelevant for fantasy, Um, especially if you're going to have St. Brown and Hawkinson out there. They're going to be your one-two, and then Swift also getting passing targets as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, right now, I I do like the... Um, the Lions offense, I know they have the injuries right now in the wide receiver room, but they are finding ways to win between Jamal Williams, uh, now Swift coming back as well. That could play as a nice option. Um, 
overall, I, I don't love the Lions side at this point, um, but they do have some nice options that you, you can throw out there in your fantasy lineup, especially with Swift coming back. It could add a nice dynamic to that offense again. If you saw my TikTok also last week, the window is still open to try to trade for Amra St. Brown. I think he can still bounce back to be a wide receiver one here. And that concussion just kind of expanded that window. Maybe made fantasy owners even more frustrated. I'm not. I'm still holding tight. But you never know if anybody, any of these less experienced managers are going to be like, I'm so tired of this guy who hasn't scored me anything since week two. That's where you kind of try to pounce and trade. So just remember to keep an eye out. Maybe throw a little obligatory offer out to some people. Um, but I think that pretty much covers the Lions side. We can move back to the Dolphins where it's kind of start everybody that you normally would and maybe an extra guy. So Tua back in your lineup, he should be good to go, even though he didn't really score that great coming off. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle full send this week. Um, Raheem Mostert, my guy who I think Kempi also had jumped on board on Raheem Mostert, definitely in your lineup. And then I think the extra guy may be Mike Gesicki who I know I am so up and down on because I know that they want to use him in a blocking scheme, but they could go off this week against the Lions. And the Lions have the chance to have the offense to keep the game close, and that would be good things for Gesicki. Yeah, I, I, going to Penn State and watching Gesicki play live when I was a student was was an awesome experience. And I was really, really hoping that Gesicki would take that jump off the tight end dartboard and hopefully become fantasy rele- relevant for a tight end. Um, he's had hit or miss weeks, which puts him right back on that dartboard. Uh, you, you are right about Mostert. I, I do like Mostert right now. I am a little bit concerned about his injury past. I don't know how long he can stay relevant. Um, I actually did just trade him in our league of record. I'm, I thought this might be a good sell high opportunity. Uh, we'll see if that, if he continues to stay up there or if it was a good sell. Um, but this is a good team where you want to start everyone you have. And if I'm looking at this in a betting perspective, I love the over here. I have to look at the exact line, but it's one of those games where I don't know the line, but I like the over just because the potential points that we could have the uh, Lions defense being so bad uh, to coming back with all of his weapons. I want to say it's in the fifties here, but let me see. Fifties is high too. You got to think that's a 20 something to 20 something game at the least. It's one of those games where I think I like it. Let's see. Under over. But as, as I find that line, um, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Tua back. I actually did pick him up in one of our uh, keeper leagues that we're in together where somebody had dropped him after that, uh, that horrible incident that he had a few weeks ago against the Bills. Somebody dropped him. I guess he thought his career was over at that point. I was lucky to sloop, uh, sweep in. I'm now starting him confidently over Aaron Rodgers every week. Um, yes. And which which is very helpful. <laughs> and which we'll talk about a little bit that. later. You're not even saying that we should really technically start to a confidently every week, but we should talk about confidently over Aaron Rodgers. I'm in on that yes. boat right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cody. <laughs> the under over is 51 and a half. And I'm taking the over just because I love points. I'm hoping to see points. Um, that's a high number, but I'm riding with it. All right. I like it. We're going, we're going bullish here. And that that's the game to do it on. Cause there's so much offense in that game and so much to like for fantasy. So if you're just a fantasy guy, that could be the most fun game of the one o'clock window, but really the most fun game of the one o'clock window might be the next game on our card here. The Arizona Cardinals traveling to the Minnesota Vikings. Actually ju- just kidding. Uh, the day that we are recording this call of duty is coming out with a new game. So Kyler Murray is completely shot for the week. 
Um, it's been yep. nice knowing you Cardinals fans, but the Vikings are going to go to six and one. I guess just kidding. I really hope it's not that bad, but that's the joke that's been going around here. Um, with that being said, you do have one more other betting note here. So I'll let you do that while we're on the con the subject. Yeah, right now I am a fan of the Cardinals plus three and a half kind of going off that same method. I, I thought before I'm going to have to see when Sunday comes around where the money's going, but that's one of those lines where I honestly expected Minnesota to be a little more favorites. Um, I know they're coming off the bye. They were hot going into the bye. Um, I thought I might see this line maybe around minus six and a half, give them a whole touchdown spread. So Cardinals plus three intrigued me a little bit. The last game against the Saints, I feel as if should have been a little bit closer than it was, um, just based off where the turnovers were on the field. But I do like plus three and a half. So when Sunday comes around, I'm going to look at where the money's going, but I think I'm going to be going Cardinals plus three and a half. And George, you want to talk a little bit about the running back situation? Um, I see you have here that Connor and Williams were limited practice. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think you and I were actually talking about this a little bit before we started recording, that like where the heck do you go if James Conner and Daryl Williams play in this game? And my advice is nowhere. You just keep them all on your bench, them two and Eno Benjamin. So like the way I look at it is if James Conner and Eno Benjamin are the two guys, probably James Conner could be your most confident play, but even yet I'm not super confident. If it's Damian Williams and Eno Benjamin, I'm kind of avoiding it because I think those two could be an exact 50-50 split. Like Damian Williams is good enough to take most of the carries away from Eno, but he's not good enough to get a bulk like James Conner would get a bulk, I believe. Um, and then if it's all three, it really could be all kinds of a mess. It could be like a 35-35-30. I think that's correct math. I don't know why I did that to myself. Kind of split. <laughs> Um, so if that's the case, no one's going to be fantasy relevant, but they're probably going to be effective as a group. Um, so I think that's kind of my rundown on that position group, and it's not pretty. It's not as pretty as back in these last two weeks when we were like, we got Eno Benjamin. We're good. Yeah, uh, I, I, I completely agree. Like we just discussed earlier, um, if Connor's there, he's the guy. If it's Eno and Williams, you're in – muddy waters there because it might be one over the other um but it all comes down to what the official report is when sunday rolls around yeah and we'll keep you updated on our twitter if you don't already follow us on twitter do so even if, if nothing else just for our sunday injury reports because we give you an idea of everybody who's going or not on sunday mornings um also on the cardinal side so we're starting kyler as well um it's just kind of a guy that's in your life every single week and d hop is the man He's so back. much the man that he made everybody else irrelevant last week, including Rondale Moore, who I was bullish on and started in multiple places and saw two whole targets and a drop touchdown. And, and no, early it's, on in the game, it's all early on in the game, he had two receptions, and I thought this was this is going well. I also started more in our dynasty league, and I was like, this could be a great pick last year, especially if he can have a dynamic with Hopkins there. And then it was the Hopkins show. So if you drafted Hopkins late in the round and waited out that or late in the draft and waited on the suspension, I think you're going to start to see some of the benefits. Yes, exactly. So it's all D Hop until I, I think it's all D Hop until Marquise Brown comes back, and then it's going to be all D Hop with a fantasy relevant Marquise Brown. That's where I'm at right now. We'll see if that changes in three or four weeks when Marquise is actually back. Um, mm -hmm. But then on the Viking side, you're still throwing out there Dalvin Cook, especially after a little rest week. Justin Jefferson's your guy. 
Kirk Cousins, I think, is a solid streamer play this week, especially with two top 10 quarterbacks out on by. And then my question to you, and I think it's the question we pose every single week, Adam Thielen for the week, where are you? Where's that coin that we were talking about earlier? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, exactly. it all comes it all comes down to is he going to score? Because at this point, he's not gonna he doesn't seem to have the big plays that he used to, especially with Justin Jefferson being that guy. Um, so it, he honestly, you could put Adam Thielen on the tight end dartboard because who knows what's gonna happen any given Sunday with him. <laughs> uh, and then another guy on the dart or the tight end, the actual tight end dartboard is Herb <laughs> Smith. I actually have him as a start this week because he is somebody who got a touchdown right before the bye. He is in a matchup against a team that does not perform well against the tight end. So I honestly, thinking about it in that term, give Thielen a bit of a bump down because I think the touchdown is going to go to Irv Smith this week. Um, if I remember that stats right, the Cardinals gave up six touchdowns through seven weeks to tight ends. That's a pretty big number. I like um, it. Anytime so- touchdown. Irv Smith. Anytime touchdown, Irv Smith might be a good thing. Irv Smith in your lineup just for that one catch and a touchdown to give you basically a very slight edge over every other tight end of the league at this point could be a thing. Um, but that's just how the tight end position works here, I guess. And we have two more games in the one o'clock window. Let's keep it moving. We got the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to the New Orleans Saints. Um, let's start with the fantasy talk here because the Saints are still an absolute mess. Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry still did not practice on Thursday. I'm expecting them to both not go again, which means it's the Chris Olave show 24-7-365 at this point. Um, even with Andy Dalton, the quarterback, and that is with Jameis Winston participating fully in practice, they already committed to Andy Dalton for the week. Did he get benched or like are they taking this back injury super cautiously? Like what the heck is happening at the quarterback position? Is this one of those carousel situations that we're going to be seeing again in, no, in just no, another no. team? No, like no, uh, no. who's in? And, and let's add another name into that quarterback room a little bit. And I will make I will admit this week you're going to say Taysom Hill. I I picked Taysom Hill off the waivers this week. I will admit it. I'm not proud of it, but I will admit it. I, I it was I had the last waiver pick in our league of record at the moment, and I picked up Taysom Hill and. he's a fantasy option when you're in that red zone on the five yard line or even further back. It's, it's one of those things you can't deny he's in play, which has a huge fantasy impact. Cause look at Alvin Kamara. What could have been with Alvin Kamara? If Taysom Hill just would not have ran the ball at all this season. I think you give Kamara three or four more touchdowns and it just has a huge impact. It's a honestly a fantasy headache. Just having Taysom Hill in that everyday lineup. I'm with you how it feels so wrong and so bad to go out there and pick up Taysom Hill and play Taysom Hill, but I'm finally on board because like Cody and I said on Tuesday, he's tight end four, tight end four on the year so far. It hurts. So like, I would rather play Taysom Hill with his ability to throw, run, and catch more than Kyle Pitts at this point. Every week, sure, go ahead and you know, roast me about it in three weeks when Kyle Pitts decides to play football. Sure. I'm in on Taysom Hill more than Kyle Pitts. And he's got to be in your lineup at least most weeks at this point, just because the Saints are using him dynamically. And, and I'll tell you what, it's it's now getting to the point with the name Taysom Hill and just <laughs> his history that he's been with the Saints that I think people don't like. If I told you there was a Shohei Otani in the NFL <laughs> where he can run, he can throw, and he can catch. 
you'd be like, this guy's a first round pick every single year. He has to be great. He's going to get you points somehow. It's Taysom Hill though. And and I know he's not going to be a first round pick at all or anything mm-hmm. crazy like that, but he's a valuable asset, especially being in a position that is so desperate for points. And it's such a question mark every week. If he was a wide receiver eligible player, Taysom Hill can stay out there. Yeah. yeah. Tight end. I'm interested. Exactly. There's two guys and then the field, and he is near the top of the field at this point, which just because of usage, um, I think that, I mean, we're starting Kamara and I'm not touching Andy Dalton. I think that wraps up the same side. We can move to the Raiders side where they're all kinds of banged up right now. Uh, Darren Waller, who's missed the last two games that the Raiders have played is still a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. We did not get the Thursday report before our recording because they're taking forever to do it apparently. Um, Devontae Adams did not practice on Wednesday and was apparently not seen at the media available portion of practice Thursday. He still could be a limited participant. We don't know that for sure yet, but uh, something to keep an eye on now because I thought he was going to be good to go. It was just Waller we had to worry about. Adams could be in danger of missing a game now. Derek Carr was limited, but he should be good to go. And Josh Jacobs the same way. Um. So I guess I got to throw the name Mac Hollins out there, and I hope it gives you as many heebie-jeebies as it does me when the guys say it. If Adams doesn't go, like Hunter Renfro is still there, but your wide receiver two again is Mac Hollins. Are you confident at all to play that? No, I I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm not playing a lot of Raiders. Um, I mean, obviously, if you if you have Adams early on, Jacobs murdered me last week. If he's a full go this week. There's not a lot of other Raiders, though, that I, I'm in love with. And it's it's a shame because Derek Carr was so hot at the beginning of the year, or going off draft boards and what could have been. And I, I can't I, – I don't love any Raiders besides Adams and Jacobs at this point. Okay. Um, I think I actually see one more note on here. I'll let you talk about what you have on a rundown here about the Raiders, and then we can move on. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at the Raiders spread right now. I think it's, it's one another close spread this week against the Saints. But if you're just looking at an interesting bet right now, the Raiders started off so horrible this year, but don't give up on them just yet. The next four weeks, they played the Saints, or five weeks, Saints, Jags, Colts, Broncos, and Seahawks. I think they can easily win four out of five, if not yeah. all five. So for how awful they started, I don't think you can give up on them yet. Don't know the exact line, but uh, uh, Raiders' future might not be horrible. If you can get somehow get a win total prop on there, I think they can win easily four out of five next week which could also benefit any of their fantasy studs. I mean, Jacobs had an amazing game last week. If, if they can continue to find a scheme where he can run the ball, um, it might be something to watch out for. I know there's a lot of people that are starting to say now's the time to sell on Jacobs, but I'm with you. I'm pretty bullish on him, especially looking at that schedule. Like the Broncos are actually a tough defense. Um, so that might be a rough game for the Raiders offense in general, but it's a winnable game when you look at it from that standpoint. Um, but really like, there, there could be a lot of points coming out of there, especially if they start getting healthy. And I really hope Darren Waller starts getting healthy because he's another guy who's been killing me these last few weeks. Um, I think that wraps up Raiders Saints, unless you have something to cut me off here. I think mm-hmm. I have a game we can go through pretty quick because we are starting to go through time, even though I don't want to completely glaze over it. Last game in the one o'clock window is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles, the battle for Pennsylvania. And there's no significant injuries here, so we can talk straight. Fantasy, who you playing on the Pittsburgh side? I'm avoiding Najee Harris if I can do it. Yeah, I, I don't like Harris at all. Um, I, I drafted him in one of our leagues, and I'm regretting it, especially with now what they have going on offensively. 
I'm not in love with the Pittsburgh side, but I do like the other side a little bit, little bit. Um, yes. If you have anything to add or finish up with the Steelers. Um, I'm not playing Pickett or Trubisky. That's totally no. Um, uh, I'm even sketchy on Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. I think Pickens is definitely out. Johnson might have to be a play if you're in a situation, but their offense is not good enough to go up against a top five defense and be confident playing most of them. Um, so on the Eagle side, I'll let you go ahead. Go ahead. Go to town. Normally, this is my spotlight. I'll give it to you. Who don't I like, George? Who don't I like is the question. I'm feeling good about everyone at this point. I, I'm super happy with this Eagles team, especially being an Eagles fan, obviously. I watch how many times I, I pick players up in fantasy because I do feel like there is some sort of jinx there. Um, and if I'm going to be disappointed, I don't want to be disappointed twice that the Eagles lost and my fantasy team lost. Um, but I, I'm starting as many as I can. I, I do love... Obviously, A.J. Brown, who's had a quiet last couple weeks, honestly. Um, Goddard, of course, I, I love him. Um, having Booby Sanders in the backfield, I, I feel good in him. I, who, who don't you like, George, at this point? No, I think the only person that you missed is someone I have on a start on our article on the couchjams.com, Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you left to save this one for me because you knew or not, but we think about wide receivers in the Eagles team, we think A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith has outscored A.J. Brown in their last four games, 56.7 to 48.9. And in the individual weeks, he's outscored him two out of four. It's a split. It is literally a split. And that's not something we thought was going to happen when they added a big name like that. But they're also clicking enough that both of them are fantasy relevant pretty much every single week. And as we say every week, this is not the same Steelers defense that has been in the past. They're very middle of the road to bottom third of the league. The Eagles could feast. We're, we're, we're getting spoiled, George. We are getting spoiled. I think we need to move on to the next matchup before we start drooling. <laughs> yes. And it's in the 4 o'clock window, and I guess I had to pull my best Tyler here. Tyler Snyder, I should say. Tennessee Titans against the Houston Texans to lead off the 4 o'clock window. And he actually sent me in a stat about Derrick Henry that he would be very disappointed if I did not say. So, Derrick Henry in his last three games against Houston – it is also worth noting those games were 2019 and two games in 2020. He did not play against Houston because of the injury last year. He has scored 37.8 half PPR points on average against Houston. And this year, Houston has allowed three running backs to score basically 30 points against them in a game. Khalil Herbert, not even David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, 29.9. Austin Eckler, 31.9 and Josh Jacobs just last week, I believe it was 35 flat. Derrick Henry's going for 55, right? That it's disgusting. It's <laughs> disgusting in a good way, but it, it's just disgusting. Uh, and another betting line right now, Tennessee's only favored two and a half. This could be an amazing game to bet. Although I love it. So I'm kind of second guessing myself based on my psychology. Does Vegas know something we don't? Because these are the numbers they're seeing too. Does Vegas know something we don't? Um, but I, I do love the, obviously, the Derrick Henry side. Um, we do have Ryan Tanhill listed as limited practice. He wasn't a walking boot earlier this week. But you brought up a great point earlier, George. Do you need him? If we could just have somebody no. standing up there with the ball, give it to Derrick Henry. Let's give him 40 points this week um, and call it a day there. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. And that's why, like, in a good matchup, like, I'm only starting Derrick Henry. I'm not thinking about starting Tannehill unless you're, like, desperate in Dynasty or something. I'm not thinking about starting Robert Woods, even though this could be a decent Robert Woods week. I just don't trust it. 
Um, I, I don't even know who else is currently playing wide receiver there. Kyle Phillips just hit the IR again. Traylon Burks is on IR. Nick Westbrook-Akina, no thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, the tight ends are inconsistent. Like, it's it's all Derrick Henry, and everyone knows it's all Derrick Henry, and they're still going to give Derrick Henry 50 points. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and then going to the Texans side, um, this could be a good week for Brandon Cooks again. I mean, we've been very disappointed about Mr. Consistency this year, and the Titans' defense is middle of the road against wide receivers, if I remember correctly. So Brandon Cooks, not a bad play. Damian Pierce is in your lineup every single week, not worrying about that. And I think that's it for the Texans. You can cut me off if there's anyone else you want to say. Otherwise, we can move on to the battle of the backups. Oh boy. I guess technically <laughs> not a backup. Uh, the Washington Commanders and the Indianapolis Colts. As Kempe was nice enough to put on our rundown here, uh, we're missing out on a really amazing Carson Wentz versus Nick Foles game as Carson Wentz is on IR and Nick Foles was skipped over for, I'm even forgetting, Sam Ellinger. I forgot his first name for a second. That shows how much <laughs> importance Sam Ellinger has had in my life to this point. Um, Sam Ellinger is starting over Matt Ryan, as we talked about earlier in the in our early week show. Um, and Matt Ryan was the starter for the Colts for... Wait for it. 28 weeks and three days. <laughs> that number will haunt him for the rest <laughs> of his life. I don't care what he does the rest of his career. It's looking like it's going downhill at this point. That will never leave Matt Ryan. I'll just throw back out there too. He had a ball go to the Hall of Fame earlier this season. Um, and it, the, the number on the ball was 283. Um, it, it's, it's amazing how one number, or I should say even two numbers can affect a, like a person in general this much. And here we are with Matt Ryan, who now, unfortunately for him, his career might be uh, starting to come to an end. They are expecting to stick with Ellen Ellinger for the rest of the season. Um, and where does that put me with the Colts? Um, they're going to definitely try to run the ball. Jonathan Taylor is still a plug and play in your lineup. No big deal. But I'm worried about Michael Pittman. Do you think that this affects Michael Pittman badly? Or like, is Pittman good enough that he's still going to perform with a potentially mediocre quarterback? I think it hurts all Colts wide receivers at this point. I threw a little note into our um, segment as well that going into this game, going in before Tom Brady plays, um, going into tonight while we're recording, Matt Ryan is tied for the NFL leading completions. So let's take that in for a second. He's tied for the league lead in completions he is getting the ball to his wide receivers and there's still not a wide receiver that we're in love with so what is that going to do when that number goes down because ellinger's in the game i i don't like the wide receivers here um and there it's it will have a drastic effect on them i think yeah and i mean i'm i'm personally hoping as someone who invested a lot in michael pittman that it's not necessarily going to affect his value, but it's going to affect the people who went out there and got Alec Pierce. The fact that Paris Campbell has apparently been a thing the last two weeks. like It could still mean that they're going to get the points to Pittman, but not to the secondary weapons, but we're not sure of that, obviously, now. With that being said, Washington, mediocre defense against the pass. I would probably say you're out on Pierce, you're out on Campbell. Are you still playing Pittman? this week uh, 
I'm not playing Pittman. I'm, I'm waiting this out. I feel like there's not an urgency to play him at this point. I mean, if, if you have to play Pittman, play him. But if you're between two guys, Pittman and another, I, I'm waiting to see how this rolls out. Will it come back to bite you? Potentially. Maybe this could be a great connection that we had no idea it was coming. Um, but I, I, if I have a guy, I'd rather get this, the low floor or the high floor of someone else than hopefully anything with Pittman. Hey, and if you have any questions of like Pittman versus whatever, make sure you hit us up, either a comment in this video or on our social media page, send us a DM of your situation. We can help you decide some start sit. Maybe I'll help Kempi help you out with some of these Pittman questions. And Tyler over there in the library can go into the books and study up and see who he thinks is going to break out this week in your decision. But moving to the commander side really quick, Jahan Dotson still did not practice. He actually flared up his hamstring injury last week. So he is not expected to go again this week. Um, and then we're looking at, I don't think you're playing Taylor Heineke, especially against the Colts. Is it just um, Brian Robinson? Are you still looking at some of the wide receivers? Like I'm very out on scary Terry. I think scary Terry is very scary on Halloween weekend. Uh, or is that just me and my continued bias against Terry McLaurin? This is another one of those games. It, it, it's it's funny that the Colts are actually playing the, the uh, commanders at this point. If you don't have to play them, don't take the risk because you don't know where that floor is going to be. Don't shoot yourself in the foot by uh, starting a guy that, I don't know, isn't guaranteeing you a good floor. Get Start a guy that you feel comfortable with because at this point, sure, Scary Terry could go off. He could have that great connection like we talked about. But is it worth the risk? I guess it depends on your, your current stance in fantasy. Yeah, and like you said again, feel free to send us a message. We'll uh, give you our best advice on if you should play him versus somebody else. Um, I think that wraps up the battle of the backups. We can move on to the divisional matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, so this is another game where we only had the Wednesday injury report, and it could be something that's very interesting to watch on the 49ers side. With Debo Samuel, did not practice on Wednesday, and he is considered day-to-day. I think if they didn't have a bye week next week, Debo would be in because the 49ers would be like, there's no reason to sit him. It's not a major injury, and he'd you know be fine. But they have a bye next week. So I'm personally concerned Debo is not going to go. Uh, it's it's tough to say because think about how close this division is right now and how important every win could come down to, um, whether it's home field advantage or even making the playoffs in general. Uh, this could be a game where Debo's going to step up just be, or, and come across the injury just because it is against the Rams. If you're talking about any other matchup, Maybe not. Maybe he waits until the bye and then recovers the next week. But this is the Rams. This game matters no matter what happens. It's very true. So in that case, yeah, maybe Debo does play. And keep an eye on our social media. We'll keep you updated on his status. But I think if he's in, he's in your lineup. If he's out, I think Ayuk is an automatic throw out there and play. If he's in, I still think Ayuk might be a flex option. Um, I don't know if you differ on that at all. Or are we in on Ayuk to an extent? I, I actually really enjoy Ayuk. Um, I wish I would have drafted him if I knew Jimmy G was going to be the starting guy. I think they have a great connection with one another. Um, I think Jimmy G's first game back, first touchdown went to Ayuk. So um, I think they first have that connection two, built think, in. Actually. Yeah, I think, I think you're yeah. right with that one. Um, they have that connection. So at this point, I, I think I would start Ayuk confidently. Um, I mean, obviously, it depends on who's in your lineup, but 
I, I would start him confidently in that with Jimmy G going. Yeah, and I uh, don't exactly love Jimmy G as a as a play himself this week, but I think he's going to get enough out there to his weapons that he could be a decent play if you're kind of desperate at the quarterback position. Um, and Christian McCaffrey, I think now having a couple of snaps under his belt and a full week is the guy in the backfield. Jeff Wilson's time, I think, is over. We don't have to worry about the return of Eli Mitchell quite yet. That is coming, though, and we'll have to see how that affects everything. But for right now in the backfield, it's CMC or bust. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I think that's a great way to put it at this point. <laughs> and then the Rams backfield is a totally other different story. Uh, Cam Akers still did not practice on Wednesday. I don't expect him to practice all week. I do not expect him to play. They are trying to trade him. It is all considered, it's considered on their site a personal issue. Um, don't expect Akers in the lineup. Daryl Henderson did not practice Wednesday with an illness. The fact that it's illness means he's probably going to rally back and go this week. But this is one of two guys that I am very out on, and it's because of somebody coming back. I don't think Henderson has a full grasp on that backfield and the person that is starting to come back, he is now been opened as a practice window. He's on injured reserve. Kyron Williams, who's a rookie from this year's draft. I'm not sure if he's going to be activated this week. If he isn't, I still don't know if I love Henderson in a tough matchup against San Francisco. Um, But Kyron Williams is somebody I'm stashing. If I can help it, especially with an IR spot. Mm -hmm. And and we've seen how, uh, Sean McVay handles his running backs. I mean, mm-hmm. you never know. He's a little bit about like Bill Belichick in that sense where you never know who's going to be the guy, but his options are running slim. So at this point, having that good stash could be huge because if he has confidence moving forward towards the later fantasy postseason, that could be a league winning pickup if everything works the way projected. And then the other guy who I think could be a league winning pickup and somebody who the Rams desperately need right now is Van Jefferson. We kind of forgot about him because he's been out, I think, all year or since week one. I'm not even forgetting if he played week one or not. Um, limited participant in practice Wednesday, could return this week, and he's going to jump right back into wide receiver too. Allen Robinson has done nothing. Ben Skowarnik, nothing special. He's really a special teamer return guy who's been forced into playing wide receiver because they don't really have anybody else. I think their other guy is Tutu Atwell. Have you heard the name Tutu Atwell? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's been like, oh, yeah, there's there's that guy. He has a funny name, but he hasn't done anything. So Van Jefferson is a guy who could sneak in to be an every week flex play if the Rams start to come together on offense, because he is such a need right now. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree 100 percent. It's almost in crisis mode for the Rams at this point. And if they're going to have to start throwing up their guys and giving us as fantasy players great performances, Time's now, so every move they make is something to watch. 100%. So two guys there to go stash if you have the open roster spot with the bye week being a little bit lighter this week. Uh, Three more games. Let's try to get through them here a little bit as we're starting to go a little long. Uh, First off, New York Giants traveling to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I'll let you take your little bit of a betting line here before we move into fantasy. I like Seahawks minus three. Same thing as I've been saying before. I, I don't think that... I think the Giants are coming in hot, just like last week against the Jaguars, how they were somehow underdogs. Um, I think Vegas is out on them, but I think the public is in on them. I think people are thinking the, the Giants are 5-1. and one. They have that New York team behind them, or the New York media. Um, I like Seahawks for that reason. I think money's coming in on Giants. I'm taking Seahawks. 
Man, I'm a little upset that I mentioned that Giants plus three and a half last week thing now because I didn't realize you had this down here on our rundown. This would be perfect time to mention it. Two straight <laughs> weeks, a team that's been worse than them. Now, the Seahawks at least have a winning record. but And the first place are, Seahawks. Then the first place Seahawks, which is also shocking considering that division was supposed to be a powerhouse. But here we are. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I, I like that too. I'm going to have to think about that when I make my picks this week. But um in the fantasy output, the Giants are also a little bit banged up at the wide receiver position still. It hasn't really made a difference yet. Will it eventually? Who knows? Um, their tight end, I think it's Daniel Bellinger. Again, I'm, I'm I'm really whiffing on first names this episode. What the heck is up with me and first names in this episode? Uh, Bellinger is out still with an eye injury. He was actually taken to the hospital during the game last week. It was a little bit of a scary situation. So thoughts out on him. I hope he's okay. Um Kenny Galladay still isn't practicing, and I really honestly don't care anymore. He has done absolutely nothing in the entire year and a half he's been with New York, and I don't expect him to turn around now. And obviously, no Kadarius Toney because he was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. Even more reason to be in on Wandale Robinson. And Mm -hmm. I don't hate the play against a very bad Seahawks defense. No, I, I don't hate that either. The only scary thing is kind of like we were talking about with the Cardinals. If, if there's only one option, he's the guy. If, if he's the only option in that offense that he could that Dan, Danny Dimes can throw to, or Danny Nichols, if you will, he's, start, he's been starting to earn his dime title back. But um, if he's the only guy in that offense, the Seahawks are going to target him. So, and they're trying to defend him the best they can. I, I, I don't know. I, Robinson's definitely the only wide receiver that I would think about starting. Um, but other than that, I, I can't can't name him off the head. You've been on this episode for an hour now. You're kind of in a rhythm. I'm going to hit you with a question. Try to help me set my lineup to beat Tyler uh, this week in our league of record. Michael Pittman, who you were just a little bit down on, or Wandale Robinson? Give me give me Robinson. Give me Robinson. It hurts it, I mean, because they get the draft capital, but we're in week eight now. Draft's yeah. out the window. Draft is, is eight weeks ago. You want the best player now? Um. I'm going Robinson. I think he's going to get the targets. So he, I think his floor is going to be higher than Pittman. All right. I like it. I'm like going bold there too. Um, but speaking of another guy who should have a bit of a raise to his floor, as long as he's not too much in the spotlight either, Tyler Lockett. I have given negative five respect Tyler Lockett this year, despite the fact that he's a top 20 wide receiver right now. And now we're sitting in a situation where DK Metcalf is out multiple weeks and he might even hit injured reserve. And Tyler Lockett is up to being wide receiver one again. And I like him this week. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I've said that all year. I like <laughs> yeah. him this week. Hey, Gino has is showing that here in that spot. I, I know they threw the comments out a couple weeks ago or just last week about, oh, they might be a close race. No, I think Gino's the guy. And I think Lockett will be the guy with Gino um, moving forward, especially with DK out. Yeah, and I think then other than that, on the Seahawks side, with Penny out, you're still playing Kenneth Walker every single mm-hmm. week. He's a plug and play in your lineup. Geno can be a decent quarterback for you if you're someone that's in need of those quarterbacks down in that like seven to fifteen range. Like he's always going to be a guy that's near the top despite the matchup with how he's playing right now. Um, and I think that pretty much wraps up my thoughts on the Seahawks. I don't think there's anyone else I missed. We can move on to Sunday night football. The epic battle between the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers. That is not actually so epic because the Packers are struggling. 
Yes. Think about this. Two years ago, this would have been a phenomenal matchup. This would have been mm-hmm. up there with the Chiefs and Bills right there. This would have been a phenomenal matchup last year. Although two years ago, if I would have told you that the Packers lost to the Giants, Jets, and Commanders in three consecutive weeks, that would be something to think about as well. Um, I have a note on here that this is the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career that he is a double-digit dog. Um, the only time he's been a dog, he's been a dog of maybe six points. I think he's 3-0 against the spread. But the first time he's a double-digit dog, and I still don't know if I love that line the way the Packers have been playing. I feel like they have to break out eventually. But I'm going to go back to a rant that Tyler had with me on the show last week. They have to use Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon needs to be a slightly less important part in their offense. And they have to realize that their wide receivers are not good. They're just not good. So to go out there and just pound Aaron Jones, hand him the ball, throw him screens, run him on routes for all I care, give him the ball. And that's your best chance of going out there and winning games. And I don't think they're going to win this game regardless. Buffalo is probably best team in the league or second. Like they seem to bounce between first and second in power rankings with the Eagles. Um, but that would be the only thing that gives the Packers a chance and I think would help them cover. Yeah, and, and it's it's amazing that Jones hasn't – I know they've been playing down in games and that maybe that hasn't been the good script for Jones or even uh, Dylan, but they got to get him going if, if they want to keep this going because obviously they can't rely on the arm of Rodgers and the receivers that he has around him at this point. Um, and, yeah, Dobbs like, even the, receivers, no, mm-hmm. the receivers are all kinds of banged up too. Like Alan Lazard did not practice Thursday. Um, Sammy Watkins, who came back off injured reserve and Christian Watson were limited participants in practice on Thursday. Um, Randall Cobb hit injured reserve. He's out like (laughs) Romeo Dobbs is the only guy left on their roster that I can think of that exists. Like there's gotta be another one or two guys out there. Did he Um, though? Because he had zero receptions last week. Yeah. I don't know if he is existing. No, I mean, He's going to have to exist if Alan Lazard doesn't play. Like, I feel like the only consistent receiver on that offense so far has been Lazard. And it hasn't been a pretty consistent. It's been a Brandon Cooks type consistent. Here, give you 10 points, but that's all I'm going to give you. Like, that's been him. Um, But if he doesn't go, I'm extremely concerned about the Packers, even more than I already am. Mm -hmm. Hopefully Cody isn't going to be watching too closely on his honeymoon. (laughs) I hope not. But uh, I'm sure they're going to try to find a way to watch it, and then they're going to be disappointed for about a day. But we have one more game to cover here before we get out of here. Monday Night Football, Cincinnati Bengals traveling to the Cleveland Browns, and there was some big news that hit right before we started recording almost. And it's about Jamar Chase, who is now missing time with a hip injury. It's projected to be a four- to six-week absence, and he could hit injured reserve. No surgery required. It's just going to be a kind of rest and rehab kind of deal, but huge blow for the Bengals. And I'm just going to throw it right to you with fantasy impact. What do you like more without Chase or what do you like less without Chase? Well, I like two things without Chase in this lineup. I I love T Higgins, Mm -hmm. but I think the bigger impact is honestly Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd was arguably that, that wide receiver three play. And now without Chase in that lineup, Boyd's getting that boost, and I think he can run with it. I think Boyd could be the new Higgins in that sense, and Higgins could be the new Chase if, if you want to look at it that way. I think I think Boyd will fit in perfectly with this line, especially knowing the team, knowing the system. Um, I think he will probably have a bigger fantasy boost than uh, Higgins will, actually. 
I agree with you there. Um, and I think a lot of people look at it directly as like the person right below Higgins gets a boost, but we forget that Higgins was already being drafted as a third round guy. Higgins, when he's healthy, he hasn't been super healthy this year, is still a wide receiver too. He gets boosted maybe to a wide receiver one most weeks, uh, but the big boost to Boyd. Um, I also think it could give a little bit of help to Hayden Hurst, who I don't necessarily love this week because the Cleveland Browns have been good against tight ends. And I actually mentioned that in our start sit article as well. Um, but most weeks, I think while Chase is out, you could rely on Hayden Hurst as a dartboard target. And Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow are obviously still in your lineups as well. I don't think it actually affects the Bengals as much as it seems to on paper. Agreed. I definitely agree with that. And then we can move on to the Brown side of the ball where we still are very up and down on their wide receiver room. Specifically, the guy we're always thinking of is Amari Cooper. So he's a, another one of those guys that's almost like Christian Kirk to me. I feel like Christian Kirk has been very underwhelming and like not someone I want to have in my lineup most weeks. Yet all of a sudden he's wide receiver 10. Like I'm pretty sure that Amari Cooper's wide receiver 12. So is he in your lineup every week looking at that? Or are we still, is, is it not just in my head? Like, what is it? No, it's, it's hard because Amari has that name going into the season that you want to start him. You think Amari Cooper, he's easily in my lineup from his Raiders days to going to the Cowboys, but it's not that easy of a lock in your lineup anymore. Um, And it's tough to say with, with that offense, where the ball is going to be going. Uh, It seems like Nick Chubb is the guy you want to start without a doubt every single week, because I think he will be seeing the the end zone more than anybody who would be receiving the ball. And that goes in the same breath as Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt in the beginning of the year was turning into that great uh, RB2. It could be a great handcuff. And I think you guys were talking about it last week. Where's that connection at? And it'll be interesting what you guys talk about um, on the the show next with the trade deadline coming up, what situation will be going on with Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Kareem Hunt, there's places that could go and grab Kareem Hunt. And it could be big teams too. Like the Rams could be in on someone like a Kareem Hunt even. A team that's been struggling, needs a running back to try to make that extra boost. Like the 49ers found their guy, but the Rams didn't. Um, so that's that's one place where I'm kind of keeping a really close eye and see if they're going to make go out and make a big move. Um, or we could end up sitting here and watching Kareem Hunt sit behind Nick Chubb for the rest of the season. We'll have to find that out as we get closer. Um, I actually forgot to mention it during the Rams game, so I just want to give a little extra fantasy advice here uh, before we get out of here. Another person who I would stash, along with the Van Jeffersons of the world, and I said Kyron Williams, is Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham still has a chance to resign with the Rams, but even if he doesn't resign with the Rams, he's going to go to a contender. He could go to Green Bay, who desperately needs a wide receiver. He could go to Tennessee, where I think he would even be half decent because he's good enough to elevate a mediocre quarterback to be slightly better than himself. So he's another guy that if you have an extra roster spot in this kind of light by week, I'd go out there and try to find. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that's a great, great stash. It's all about at this point, we're halfway there. It's about finding those moves, whether you're in the playoffs for sure. And you want to take that boost and lock in, um, in that matchup. Or if you're still in the hunt, try and get those late week wins by picking up guys like Odell. Um, It will definitely help you out. And I know, you, Snyder, and Cody, you guys are going to win some people some fantasy leagues this year with the advice you're giving in those weekly articles and as well as just letting people know about those matchups on Twitter. So please make sure you guys are following the Couch GMs on all social media platforms. And even if you want a good laugh on TikTok, I'd follow them as well. Thank you for the – not only you know that 
nice glowing review you had there, but helping me out here on this episode, it was awesome having you. I hope the fans enjoyed it and I hope you come back here to visit us again here soon. Hey, thank you so much, George. I appreciate it. I'm sorry it went a little bit longer. I got a ramble mouth on me. I'm excited. <laughs> Postseason baseball tonight, though, for Phillies. Go Phillies. Great week to bet on football. Check out the lines. Um, And we're halfway through the season. I'm happy we're here. Yep, and I'll be happier when I don't have to play you in fantasy. I'm kidding. Uh, but thank you again, Kempy, for coming in and joining us. And thank you all again for one more time for listening into the Couch GMs podcast. As Tyler would like to say, it's so much more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. So go and get answer, ask some questions, interact with us on TikTok, wherever you have to do. Get involved with the podcast, guys. Thank you all one more time for listening in. For Tyler Kemp, I'm George Kurt, and we'll see you all next week. Like Snyder would say, mm-hmm.